the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. We are fortunate to be alive at this moment in history. I can hear you. The truth is plain to see. If you want freedom, take pride in your country. If you want democracy, hold on to your sovereignty. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin of The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here. Great to be with you tonight. Thank you for tuning in. And we have, as always, a great program, uh, a lot to report, Pro-America Report. Yeah, I mean, a couple of you have been texting me and emailing me, telling me, hey, spend more time defining what the Pro-America movement is, what that means. We'll do some of that. Uh, but I, it's like when you... You ever hear that statement uh, in one, I think it was a court decision, if it if it walks like a duck and it sounds like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. You kind of know it. So I think there's also one of those about pornography. You can tell it when you see it. But anyway, let's move on. Uh, it is great to be with you. But remember, you can get a daily email from me at the crack of dawn, literally 5 a.m. West Coast time. You'll get it right in the morning. It's called The Daily Wink, What You Need to Know. Go to edmartinlive.com, edmartinlive.com. Sign up there. You just give me an email address. I'll send you that email. I promise you. I don't sell your email address to uh, Jeff Bezos. I don't let uh, the Saudis hack Jeff Bezos' uh, accounts and steal your uh, nothing. Your, your email address just used by me, not rented, sold, nothing. So uh, it's worth getting worth getting on there, and I uh, enjoy doing that. So go there, edmartinlive.com, sign up. Also, you can track me down on Twitter, at, excuse me, at Eagle Ed Martin, at Eagle Ed Martin. A lot of folks like to ping me there, and uh, lots of other ways. Uh, the Answer San Diego's great website, too. So great to be with you. A lot going on. We'll talk later on in the program with John Schlafly, our weekly update on the Schlafly Report, the column that runs over at our sister site, townhall.com, one of the uh, properties of the Salem uh, network of uh, radio as well as internet and other stuff. So John Schlafly, give us an update. He, um, he and his brother Andy, they write that column, they're writing about Virginia and the uh, and what's happening there. It's pretty bad stuff, and that's, where, of course, where I live. And in a few minutes, we'll talk about uh, California and some of the drastic changes that are taking place uh, that are threatening uh, what is happening for um, homeowners, for people who have homes, and especially rentals. And uh, we'll talk with a gentleman who is with the, uh, I get it right, AGLA is what I pronounce, Apartment Association of Greater Los Angeles. Uh, pretty insightful fellow. We'll talk to him about what's happening. So, before we get to that, what do you need to know? I, I was sitting here thinking about this. I got ready for the program, and I was thinking, well, I got to talk about impeachment because I was there today. I was in the Senate chamber. I got there before things started at 1 o'clock East Coast time, uh, about 5 after 1, actually. All the senators came in. I was in the second row, four seats in from the aisle. Uh, they, they they kept us totally quiet, took our phones away. Took my I don't even have an Apple Watch. I have like a Fitbit watch. They took it away. 
and they were very careful. And there were all hundred members of the Senate. I was sitting with a woman next to me. She amazingly, she didn't stand during the prayer and she didn't stand during the pledge. So I guess she was there in politics. Two rows away was Alyssa Milano, the actress. Uh, and she did stand during the prayer and the pledge. But anyway, the woman next to me, before I realized that she was a lunatic, communist, anti-American person, she said to me, it's really strange to see all 100 senators in their seats. You almost never see that, she told me. And that made sense. She said, I've only seen it a few times, she said. I'm mostly at confirmation votes when everybody gets there. So yeah, very interesting uh, to see. And um, there I was. You know, front row or second row to American history, except I I lasted a few hours, but it really was so demeaned, so demeaning, so pathetic. I mean, Adam Schiff was uh, he was a good showman. He was putting on a show. And if you didn't know the truth, which I do, I've read about it. I've looked at it. I know the facts. I've listened to the testimony. If you didn't know any of that, you'd say, wow. Guy's got a good point. And then the, the president's lawyers would get up and you go, well, those guys got a good point. Except I knew the facts. I knew the rules. I knew the law. I knew the Constitution. And Adam Schiff and his, his membership, his, uh, his uh, uh, what do they call Ma- managers, they're despicable. These are despicable people who are demeaning and shredding the Constitution. And you could feel it in the place that it was just like a show trial, like a, it wasn't even a sham. It was a shame. I know people would call it a sham impeachment. It was a shame. It was a shame. It was, it was an unpleasant thing to be. You know, when you're in a place and you see people act badly, I don't know if you know what I mean. I, sometimes it's a speaker. Sometimes it's a meeting and you just feel like, ah, these are, this is not a good experience. This is not good vibes. If you're into karma, yeah, it's not good karma. I'll tell you the truth. I sat in my seat and I kept returning to prayer because I thought it was really, really kind of evil what they were doing. I mean, I was a guest of Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul. He got me a ticket. They only, each senator gets only three tickets and you kind of, the ticket is sort of transferable. You can use it. Then when you leave, you take it back to the office. And so I went back to the office and I, I didn't see Rand. Of course, he was in his seat, but I beforehand I did and his staff and all. It was a great thrill to be there. I mean, in some ways I was honored to be there. I'd only been in the Senate chamber one other time. That was on the Kavanaugh vote when he was confirmed a few months ago, six months ago, whatever it was. So it was a great privilege. I'm, I'm, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but it was a terrible thing to see. It, it reminds me, actually, of this will be a funny uh, story to digress, but it, 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 many years ago when I was uh, on the RNC, I walked into the Republican National Committee meeting, 168 members, and I thought, wow, I'm now the chairman of the Missouri Republican Party. I'm in the room with the 167 other people. These are the people that run the Republican National Committee. You know, George H.W. Bush was chairman of this body. Haley, uh, Haley Barber was. All these people were big names in the past. And you got in a room and they were, I don't know, let's say it generously, all too human. All too human. Some of them were pathetic. Some of them were stupid. Some of them were smart. Some of them were amoral. Some of them immoral. Some of them saints. But it turns out, just like anything else, it's a very human institution. Well, today I thought the impeachment demeaned another institution this time the senate it demeaned the constitution and what you need to know is this made for tv uh shaming this made for tv denigration of the constitution and the senate it's 
It's a little bit like when you're with your children. You know, I, don't know if I, I, I often talk about my children. You learn as a parent, it's so hard that your kids are soaking up everything you do. They see it when you, if you go through a bad spell, you know, with your work or your relationship with your wife or whatever, they see it. They feel it. They, they soak it up. It doesn't go away. It doesn't mean it ends anything. It doesn't go away, though. The American people, we don't get to un, we can't forget, we can't unring the bell of the, de- the demeaning of our Constitution that Adam Schiff, Nancy Pelosi, these people, what the stain of this failed impeachment will be on Nancy Pelosi. I've already thought of this. President Trump should have his presidential library. He should have a whole wing on the Pelosi impeachment and cover all the details of how she did this and what she did and how she t- tried to destroy the Constitution. I don't think it'll work. But that's what you need to know. But here's, here's what I want to pivot to. And I'm going to try to get Mickey Kaus uh, of the Kaus Files uh, on the show tomorrow night. While we're watching this stupidity and this terribleness of impeachment, our country is still being overrun. We have a caravan of people coming through Mexico towards our border. We have refugees being foisted upon our people. We have, you know, we have uh, Joe Biden running for president saying if someone gets a drunk driving charge and is an illegal, he shouldn't be charged with a felony. We're being overrun. And the number one problem in this country, it's not even trade anymore. It's not trade. It's not Europe. It's not China. The number one problem is the immigration problem. The number one problem is the demeaning, the diminishing of our nation because we can't get control of our borders, because we can't get control of our immigration, because we can't get control of even like anchor babies. The president's still talking about maybe doing something about anchor babies. We're losing our nation, not by the way, because the people that are coming are bad people. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that people are coming. We're not choosing and they're not being assimilated. We're not set up as a country like we were a hundred years ago that made it so assimilation and, and, and cultural, uh, togetherness under the law, under the religion, under the mores, all that worked. It's not working now. And, and we're watching hour after hour, 24 hours of impeachment into the middle of the night. Our Senate and our House are frozen. They're in a, incapable of addressing the crisis that faces our country. The president, because of this impeachment, incapable of facing the crisis. What you need to know right now is that you're watching a breakdown of our government and you know what? The powers that be on the left and in the corporate, you know, uh, uh, Wall Street and the big, you know, global corporate uh, boardrooms, they don't mind the distraction because they want to keep going with the way they're going. That's their goal to transform America. Uh, Obama, he meant it when he said it would tra- fundamentally transform America. He meant it. And so do many others. And it's happening. And we're not choosing it. It's being foisted upon us by inaction, by, by terribleness, and it's just despicable. All right, enough of that. I'm sorry I'm ranting. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Daniel Yukelson. I mentioned he's uh, someone who's going to talk about rent control, what they're doing, how California's messing yet another aspect of our lives up. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here. You're listening to the Pro-America Report. We'll be right back. The Answer, San Diego, streaming now on smart speakers and radio.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. And our next guest, very interesting topic. I, I was sent this by uh, somebody, a listener to the program. The uh, gentleman works with the Apartment Association of Greater Los Angeles. I said, okay, what's that about? And this gentleman, Daniel Eukelson, he's uh, a CPA. He's been uh, with one of the big accounting firms. He's worked in big business. He's worked in, uh, I thought this was pretty cool, planning commissioner in Beverly Hills for the city of Beverly Hills. But here's what he what interests me about this topic. As of January 1st, California, like New York City before it and, other, and lots of places that are generally smaller, has now statewide rent control. So anybody who's got a multifamily property, uh, if you own one and manage them, you're going to be impacted, and especially in Southern California. So I, I saw this, and I saw, wait a second, I didn't read that. You know, I read about all kinds of things that Gavin Newsom did and all these kind of different policies. I hadn't heard about this one. So Daniel Euclidson, welcome to the program, sir. How are you today? Uh, good evening, Ed. Thanks for having me on. Hey, so let me ask you just for the sort of threshold question. What does a statewide rent control you know, law do to people's property values and the cost of renting? What's the, what's the impact on Joe Sixpack? Well, on, on Joe Sixpack, and you have to understand, Ed, that over 80% of the apartment owners in California are what I would typically call a mom-and-pop owner. They own five or four fewer units. So these are, t- are passive mm. investors who bought these properties to help supplement their retirement income. And in our association, our members are retired teachers, retired first responders. They come from all walks of life, people that just poured their hearts and souls into their eight, nine to five jobs to be able to save money and buy a rental property so they would have you know, some supplemental income. And it, what it's going to do is it's definitely going to depress property values. What we've seen in, with New York's new statewide rent control law, and it's not quite that bad here in California yet, but, you know, it's only a matter of time. We've seen property values, and this was recently reported by the Wall Street Journal, property values have dropped 20 to 40 percent. And what hmm. that means for the renters in our, our state and, you know, we've you know, seen evidence of this for the past four decades because we've had rent regulations and um, price controls and tenant protections in place in cities like San Francisco, Berkeley, Los Angeles, Santa Monica, West Hollywood. Is that's just going to create housing shortages. And when you have housing shortages, the few units that do come on the market, the rent starts spiking. And so we have few um, people with no, left with no incentives to want to build rental housing units, in particular affordable units in the state of California. There's just no incentive left when you have price controls. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm of the age where I remember in the 1970s when the federal government tried to put price caps on gasoline. We had huge lines at the gas pumps. You could only buy gas every other day, and there were severe shortages, and that's what's happening to our housing. There's just no incentives to build. And, you know, with rent control, yeah. people, you know, they stay in place forever, even long after their apartment is too big for them because their kids have moved out and they've gotten divorced or whatever. And so you have a single person living in a three-bedroom unit, which doesn't leave an opportunity for a family to move into that apartment. It, it's just, it's created uh, our housing crisis. 
We're talking with uh, Daniel Yukelson again. I mentioned uh, the, the uh, association he works with called the uh, Apartment Association of Greater Los Angeles. Uh, and you can go to aagla.org and see more there. And there's, uh, there's some advocacy uh, places you can look at some uh, resources there. Um, but Daniel, uh, what is it? What, what's the thumbnail? You've been on the opposite side of this. What's the thumbnail of a policymaker that says, let's do this? I mean, how do they couch this when they say, um, this will be really good for you? Is it is it position that it's supposed to help renters and therefore, you know, it's kind of a populist thing, even though, you know, every, we know whenever government starts fixing prices, it gets run by the, the last bureaucrat in the room, which may or may not be somebody smart. Usually it's somebody who's got self-interest or worse, somebody else's interest. But are they arguing that this is a populist thing that helps? renters is that how they're they're wrapping their uh, wrapping a, a you know California flag around themselves or what how do they justify it <laughs> well we have unfortunately a much larger population of renters than we do property owners in the state of California actually in the United States and it's pure and simple Ed this is just pure pandering to a vocal group of renters in the state of California and you know politicians think it's going to benefit renters, but in the short run, perhaps, yes, if, you know, you're renter in place and, you know, suddenly you're subject to price controls, that's great for the renter. But in the long term, it just makes things worse. You know, the, the state of California not only put in the, these rent caps, but there's all these tenant protections. So that means when somebody's looking for an apartment, the landlord's going to think twice. You know, they're going to have the highest requirements to accept a tenant because they don't want to get into a, a legal fight with that tenant if should they need to evict them and have everything balanced against them. And that's what this state law has done. And the other thing, um, and tenants out there, you better wake up. Now that there's no more flexibility and uh, there's price caps on the rent, owners are going to give you a rent increase every year. They're going to have no of their choice. They don't have the flexibility to respond right. to when their prices increase. They're just going to have to bank the increases year after year consistently. And, um, you know, tenants are going to be shocked. You know, there's a lot of people out there yeah. that say, I've never gotten an increase in the last 10 years. Now, all of a sudden, I'm getting them every year. What's going on? Well, wake up and smell, smell the coffee. That's all I can tell people. Well, and, and again, we're talking with Dan Yukelson, and then I'll, I'll put this up on social media. Uh, org is the Apartment Association of Greater Los Angeles. But you put your finger on one of the uh, you know immutable truths of of life and economics. If, you, if government raises the taxes and cost of me being in business, I'm going to find a way to pass it on to the, to the, cons, the customer, right? I'm going to find a way to make the customer pay, whether it's in less quality, uh, you know, whether it's going to be in less quantities, whatever it's going to be it's going to happen so it's not like property owners they're going to they're going to only do a couple of things going to bail out of the business completely sell their places and move on or move out uh but uh i want one last thing daniel i just got a little bit more in a minute is there any movement in do you see politically i mean you were on the planning commission beverly hills i mean in other words you know politics as well as the policy here are people getting uh the drift of the sort of what the left leaning left wing policies are doing to california is there any are you feeling any possibility people are kind of you know, going to turn some of this back? I mean, I know, I know you're not going to turn California into a red state tomorrow, but just get some common sense. Are you feeling that, or are people just kind of letting it all happen? Well, the only way people are turning back and as they're turning back and heading out of California, we're seeing a lot of these right. small owners selling their properties and moving their money to other states. 
and the state is losing millionaires. It's become a leaky bucket. So who's going to be left to pay all these taxes we need to pay to give out all these entitlements? It's a huge problem. It, uh, I, that's that's my worry. I mean, I you know, I, I we we talk a lot. A couple nights ago, here on the show, we're talking to one of our San Diego leaders, conservative leaders, and you just say to yourself, "Is there any hope to to kind of turn this around?" All right, Daniel, thank you for the update. I appreciate it very much. Keep us in the loop, and I'll I'll send you an email. We'll you know as as this thing develops. Uh, very interesting topic that people don't quite catch. They hear lots of uh, you know noise and and uh, and heat off of some of the big issues, and these ones that are a little less noteworthy but very profound. So thanks for the time. I appreciate it very much. Uh, again, Daniel. Daniel Yukelson, and I'll put it up on social media. We'll take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we will talk with John Schlafly, the weekly Schlafly Report, and get an update. Actually, we'll go all the way from California across the country to Virginia. Uh, John Schlafly wrote about what's happening in Virginia. Sem- headed in the same direction, not necessarily good policy. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Be right back. Streaming now at TheAnswerSanDiego.com and Radio.com. The Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here at Pro-America Report. And our old friend John Schlafly, the co-author of the Schlafly Report, is with us tonight. John is, uh, of course, John and Andy Schlafly write the um, Schlafly Report. It posts each Tuesday evening over at our sister site at townhall.com. And uh, you can go there and, and read it uh, when it comes out. You can also go to phyllisschlafly.com and uh, listen and check out the, that column and any of the other columns that John and Andy write. They're archived there. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, welcome back, John. How are you today? Uh, fine, Ed. Good to be with you. Well, good to be with you. And let me ask you first, before we get to the column, uh, which is about Virginia, we just had somebody on talking about how California has become a, uh, well, we know this, but it's even more down to the granular level there. They're doing rent control in California, in addition to a million other regulations. We're going to talk in a minute about uh, Richmond, Virginia, and some of what happened there. Before that, John, you have, have you watched much of the impeachment? Do you have any observations or thoughts on the impeachment? I don't know if it's even on your, your radar screen. A lot of folks just kind of are like checking it out. But what do you think? Well, it's tedious and tiresome, Ed, and primarily, (laughs) in my opinion, because uh, so what if Trump held up the money to Ukraine? In fact, I think he should have held it up permanently. We we shouldn't be giving that money to Ukraine at all. The whole country is corrupt. Burisma, uh, the Biden company, is not the only uh, corrupt company there. And uh, so the idea that the president could be impeached for properly, uh, you know, watching to see where United States taxpayers' funds are spent, uh, I mean, that's just horrible. Uh, So anyway, that's my thought, and I I thought uh, Chief Justice Roberts uh, did a good job. He he reprimanded the Democrats for their uh, extreme rhetoric, I thought. Um, You you know, Ed, um, it's, it's a rule of all deliberative parliamentary bodies, starting with the Parliament in England, to restrict what you can say in debate. You cannot accuse um, people, even of the opposing party, of criminal activity or treason, or uh, you cannot use uh, obscene or harsh language. That's part of... uh, having some decorum. It's, it's kind of like the way that members have to address the chair instead of addressing each other. And yet, during this impeachment trial, uh, the House managers, like uh, 
Congressman Schiff and, and uh, Congressman Hakeem Jeffries have used unacceptably unacceptable language when speaking of President Trump. And I think uh, the Chief Justice, the presiding officer, called him on it for doing that, as he should have. Yeah, I guess, John, the one, one question, as I'd say, which is just your observation. Again, I know we've talked in the past, you, you were a you know, close observer of the Clinton impeachment, and you've watched politics for 30, 40 plus years, especially at the, at the side of your mother, the late Phyllis Schlafly. Is it worse now, or just do we see it worse now? You know what I mean? I, I know what you're saying. At the, you know, the deliberative body's supposed to have... I, I was there today in the Senate chamber, and it felt sort of icky to me. It didn't feel like Mr. Smith goes to Washington. I was there when they voted on Brett Kavanaugh for his confirmation. And that felt big time. It felt serious and somber. This felt kind of icky. And I don't. Is it worse than it's been, or is this just life and it cycles through? And we kind of go through these uh, these kinds of uh, these kinds of moments. What do you think? Well, I I think icky uh, might be a, a fair term <laughs> a, a, a to be applied to the House managers. I mean, how icky can you get? Frankly, uh, the two that I mentioned. Uh, I mean, they're really a disgrace to our country, and uh, they shouldn't be allowed in the Senate unless they can be, certainly behave with a greater degree of decorum. For I mean, they keep saying that this is an awesome constitutional process, and yet they're behaving in a way that, you know, it would be disgraceful even at the, at the Democratic political convention to, to speak as the way they have spoken during the, in the Senate chamber. It's just... It's just bad. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a race. Sorry, let me let, let me talk about uh, the politics. Elections have consequences, John. We're talking with John Schlafly and his column. Uh, the title of it this week is "Gun Advocates Rock Richmond," and uh, he and John uh, he and Andy Schlafly write the column posted at townhall.com. Uh, John, elections have consequences, right? The, the uh, Democrats uh, swept Virginia. Um, they got into office, and they're doing what they said they're going to do. They're going to do gun control. They're going to do uh, uh, abortion uh, rights and and coverage of abortion under. Uh, under uh, state uh, payments, they're going to do uh, left, excuse me, left-leaning stuff on education. So politics has its uh, has consequences, and yet your column is about this massive march in in Richmond. And I guess let me ask you this question differently, John. Um, if Virginia has half the state, maybe two thirds of the state uh, by size, by um, by landmass, that is one way more conservative, more Republican, whatever phrase, and a third of it, but half half of it population-wise in the North, is totally liberal. How how long does that work? I mean, you're seeing real tension in terms of what people expect. You have have sanctuary counties in in Virginia that are saying, if you come here, we won't enforce the the newly passed Democrat laws on guns. I mean, how long does this kind of tension last? Well, uh, Ed, and, and of course, you know, your listeners in California may be saying, uh, you know, this is, this, is, this is the way we've been living for the last 25 years. And so yeah, Virginia yeah. is just kind of getting a taste for what the new order in America really means. But there's an awful lot of Virginians who are not used to what has happened, and they're not quite ready to accept these radical changes that have been promised and yes they had elections uh it's true and there were uh there's been demographic change in virginia but there's also an enormous amount of money was spent in virginia by two billionaires mike bloomberg and george soros and that had a big effect especially on smaller local races 
where a where not much money is needed to change the outcome. And of course, everyone knows that Michael Bloomberg has been a gun grabber from the get-go, and uh, his great mission, one of his great missions, is to basically confiscate everyone's uh, guns and uh, you know basically get rid of the Second Amendment. And he's going to make Virginia a test case. But as you pointed out, the sheriffs of the vast majority of counties in Virginia are not going to roll over for that. And they've, the vast majority, I'm not sure what the current number is, but I think it's 80% or more of the counties in Virginia. The local officials have said, no, we respect the Constitution in our county, and that includes the Second Amendment. And uh, so I I do think that the, the... there will be more conflict in Virginia before this plays itself out. I agree with you. Does, does John, 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 does it, does it, does it, uh, you know, uh, uh, Kurt Schlichter, who's a, a lawyer and a columnist at townhall.com like you are, and he, he, he uh, tweets and is sometimes a guest, he writes a lot about how uh, th- this is a split that will eventually come, and actually it's maybe Jesse Kelly too, the radio host down in uh, Texas. He says there's a split that's going to come apart, that, that it's too profound, it's too, it's too set in stone, it's not just, you know, we're not just going to vote Republican next time and Democrat the time after that, but that there's really something different now that it will set us on a course that that we're going to end up you know kind of fractured i don't know whether he means you know seceding it seems dramatic but i guess my point my question back to you you watch the impeachment you see these lunatics up there you maybe when you were a democrat you watched the impeachment and you thought well those republicans are lunatics is it worse now are we at a point where it, it's worse or is it just happening with more 24-hour coverage well i think it is it is worse and another important uh uh signal of the things of things flying apart yet is what's happened to the democratic party i mean there really right. is no moderate democrat there anymore uh, you look at the uh candidates running for president now and the extremely radical positions that they've all taken including joe biden by the way it's not just elizabeth yeah. warren biden who's has a reputation, an unjustified reputation as a moderate, is racing to catch up with the left wing of the party, which includes Warren and Sanders, and the latest being even even the Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar, who has a kind of a measured moderate personality like Biden, and yet, just an example, she has had to bend over backwards to apologize for votes that she cast when she was in her first term as a U.S. Senator, when she reflected the views of her constituents in Minnesota, because they don't yeah. the national uh, the yeah. national radical agenda anymore in the Democratic Party. Uh, that's a great point, John Schlafly. Thank you. As, al- as always, I got to run, John. I'm up against a break. Thank you. Uh, it's a great point about the Dem- Democrat Party. I I appreciate that uh, tie. And we'll I'll put it up on social media. John Schla- John and Andy Schlafly's column, Gun Advocates Rock Richmond. And we got to take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. Be back in a minute. FM six point ninety point one North County AM eleven seventy San Diego. The answer. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here. Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. Boy, that was a good, it's a good show tonight because we had California covered with that Daniel Eukelson, and he was excellent on, um, you know, 
one of the things you realize over a long period of time, especially you know when you're young and you haven't bought a house yet, you don't realize what it's like to buy a house, or if you rent for a while, you don't realize after a while you're paying a lot, you know a lot of rent, a lot of money. If I remember the first time I bought a car, uh, you know, I mean, you, a lot of things as you grow older, you get used to things, you start to understand them better, and then you hear something like this, uh, Daniel Yukelson talking about how California's laws on rent control. Which you might not even know. You might not even, you see that in the paper. You might not even, you know, understand what the heck that means. It's going to affect, uh, who owns property, who lives in California, what you pay for rent, what goes on. And the same thing over in Virginia, you know, conversating with John Schlafly about what's going on. So, uh, very interesting times. And, and, you know, all politics is local. All governing is local. The biggest impact is the state and local stuff on your day to day life. So, uh, a lot to cover. Uh, let me cover a couple national stories. One is, of course, um, this week is a uh, is the celebration towards the end of the week or the commemoration of the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, uh, the ter- and Doe v. Bolton, the terrible uh, decisions back in 1973 that created out of whole cloth and and somebody's mind uh, mind's eye in the Supreme Court a clerk's idea of of what should be created therefore a right uh, to abortion. And uh, there'll be the commemoration all across the country, but a big one will be in Washington D.C. Well, today. The president tweeted, President Trump, that he will show up in person at the March for Life. So there'll be a million people at the March for Life. Last weekend, there was 30,000, 50,000, I don't know, at the Women's March. It was a dud. It was, you know, smelly and ugly, and they used a lot of terrible language. Um, I I saw an article about how ugly the speakers were at the March, the Women's March, uh, just nasty uh, behavior, which is uh, reminds me, I often tell you, I know you probably get tired of hearing me point you towards pivotal moments in uh, politics and in and, and, and American life. One was the 1979 Women's Conference in Houston, where uh, after massive support for the Equal Rights Amendment for about six years, they gathered Bella Abzug, the congresswoman from uh, New York, and a bunch of feminists gathered, and, and it was televised uh, in Houston, I think at the Houston, at the Astrodome, or maybe the precursor to the Astrodome. Ugly feminist, nasty, terrible language. And by the time it was done, the American people had seen this televised version of these people and thought, yeah, we don't want that. We don't want that. So that's what the Women's March is like. People look up and they're like, yeah, we don't want that. Uh, it's like watching the impeachment. You look up and you say, Adam Schiff, yeah, we don't want that. Well, the March for Life, which they don't televise, I'll be a million people probably. I, they never tell you for sure, but it's, it, I've been for the last couple of years. I've been uh, last few years in a row with my family. Before that, I went a few times. Extraordinary. People take buses from all over the country. They fly in to Washington D.C. and they march on the mall in this on, always in January, late January day on uh, usually exactly on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade or around then. And um, it's extraordinary. It's peaceful. It's celebratory. It's somewhat solemn, uh, but there's a lot of celebration of life. And there's a lot of great speakers, always have been great speakers, congressmen, senators, governors, you know, Alveda King, uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s niece comes often and, you know, uh, the clergy and all sorts of people, inspirational. Never in the history of the country, eight years of Reagan, uh, uh, eight years of Bush, George W. Bush, four years of H.W., although I don't know if he was that conservative on life, never before. Has a president actually addressed the March for Life? Now, the last couple of years, President Trump did it by from the uh, from the White House by video link up. This year, just today, he announced he's going to come to the march. 
Now, it's on the mall with a big stage, and I just kind of don't know already how they're going to do that. It's not like the uh, March for Life has security uh, like when you have um, an inauguration. I suspect what will happen, because when, when you go to the March for Life, the main stage is kind of in front of the Washington Monument, and then it goes down towards the Lincoln Memorial. So down the mall that way. And even if you're within maybe 500 yards, it's the stage isn't high enough, so you start to not be able to see the sight lines. So you're looking then at, at massive um, uh, uh, video monitors that are along the sides of the mall going towards the Lincoln Mall. So I suspect what will happen is in that area up by the stage, it'll be high security. They'll bring him in. He'll be out of the sight line of things, maybe even behind one of those glass, uh, you know, enclosures in front. And then he'll be gone, you know, be on the ground for 15 minutes, uh, which will be. But still, it's an extraordinary achievement uh, for the pro-life movement to have the president of the United States come. And it's an extraordinary thing for him to be, to do it. I mean, it really is a, 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 an amazing thing to have happen. And, you know, that's just a great celebration and a great tribute. And it's just a great uh, for those people that wonder about uh, President Trump. And I got some news I'll tell you tomorrow about the uh, pro-life and, and the Trump campaign it has to do with the history. My time back in 2016 and going forward into 2020. Uh, pretty cool stuff. I'll tell you about it tomorrow. But um, for now, just a great thing. Great announcement. We'll be excited about it. I did put in my notes, though. I wanted to refer you to around this time when that lots of the pro-life movement kind of comes forward, there will be people who jump up and say, oh, no, no, abortion's great. It was great for me. And that happens every now and then. So in the New York Times yesterday, excuse me, there was a column that was written, and the title of it was, I'll never be ashamed of my abortion. Now, I learned long ago a trick, a kind of psychological trick of people when they're talking to you, you know, when they, what they really are saying. And, and one example that's always stuck with me is when someone says to you, I don't mean this in a bad way, but they mean it in a bad way. That, that's how that, that, that sort of psychological uh, trick of people talking to you. Yeah, I don't mean this to, uh, to be, hurt you, but well, what comes behind the but it, it is exactly what they said they weren't doing in the first part. And when someone writes a New York Times editorial and says, I'll never be ashamed of my abortion and goes on to describe her children and all these things, it's just one of those things where you sort of pause and you say, yeah, I think, you know, thou doth protest too much. I, I'm not rooting for people to feel bad about the choices they made, but I'm just pointing out that, you know, one of the things that happens is people try so desperately to justify things that they do the way they do them. And that woman, at the end of this, you have to read down the whole article. Her name is Yolanda Galt. And you read down at the end, it says she's a she's an author. She's written books. She's African-American. She's kind of her book looks really interesting about how her mother, who was kind of an old fashioned uh, disciplinarian, raised her. And she wrote a book about it. It looks pretty neat. I, I checked it out. But then you get all the way down and it says Ms. Galt is an executive at Planned Parenthood. Well, OK, so your job relies on the fact that you have to be for abortion. Now, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm, I'm saying that's life. I mean, I, if you work for a pro-life group, you're going to talk about pro-life. If you work for a pro-abortion group, you're going to talk about pro-abortion. If you work for a think tank that promotes, um, you know, missile defense, you're going to talk about missile defense. I'm not saying I'm not I'm not judging that. I'm describing it. But I am saying when the headline of something and the just just this column is, ah, I've never been ashamed of my boy. I don't know. I don't know. And one of the most interesting things that's happening in the country. And what this president has been able to do 
is he was pro-abortion. He was for most of his life until 10, 15 years ago. And when people say, oh, I didn't believe his change, you know, he's really just a New York uh, liberal and pro-abortion. I, I don't know his heart. I've only met the guy twice, but I can see the fruits of what he's done. Judges, cutting back on funding, going to the March for Life, signaling the importance of the life movement. I mean, we need more converts. And actually, what I started to say was President Trump has allowed people who um, were on the other side of a terrible situation, of a terrible decision, to think that there's ways, I, I believe, to get to the other side, to be forgiven, to forgive yourself, to come around to it, to understand um, that there's not a reason to be. You don't have to feel shame for your abortion for long. You have to repent of it and you have to kind of get right with it. But, you know, it's not, you know, there's always a way for life for, for people to be forgiven is what I'm saying. And what the pro-life, the next step of the pro-life movement, if I can say, is, it, well, a next step. There's a steps that are going to happen legally and in terms of policy as people believe in life. But a necessary next step is people understanding how hard it is and how important it is to make room for people to change their mind, forgive themselves, and uh, be, uh, be present. That's what, one of the things that's going on there. Um, so uh, anyway, it's going to be a great uh, March for Life. It's great that the president is doing that uh, and going to be there. And we'll talk more about pro-life uh, uh, tomorrow. But I thought I'd just share that on that column, and I'll put it up on social media. Thank you, as always, to Noah, our technical director, his special friend, Melissa, for listening in, and uh, Joanna in St. Louis for booking things. And we will be back uh, tomorrow night. we got a lot of guests. By the way, always go to TheAnswerSanDiego.com to check out the show. The podcast is there. Or go to where podcasts are found, iTunes. Google Play, track it down, and uh, pass it on to your friends. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow night. It's Ed Martin. Thanks for listening to the Pro-America Report. Talk to you tomorrow night.